So we are celebrating the 4th of July, and this is the 4th of July weekend, and, and we'll be celebrating the independence of our country from tyranny, from the inability to worship the way that we feel is right, from the independence of, of worshiping God instead of having a what's called a state church, if you will, a, a state religion where this is the religion of our country and you must worship in this place, you must worship this way. As Americans, we value that independence, don't we? There are a lot of countries that don't have that. They don't have that freedom. And so we value those things greatly. Those things in America were paid for with the blood of patriots. People, men and women that believed in our cause, in our cause of freedom, in our cause for liberty. That freedom must always be protected. That freedom must always be valued. And that freedom must always be passed on and taught to the coming generations. That liberty and that freedom and those things that we valued were written into our Constitution for the posterity of generations to come so that they wouldn't have to fight those same battles again. So that the generations to come after those that fought and and bled in these wars to attain freedom would not have to be fought again by our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on and so forth. But I warn you that if we don't know the liberties that are protected in our Constitution, then we won't know if, and God forbid when, those liberties are taken away from us. We don't know what freedoms that we have that we must protect. And you would think it would be enough that our Constitution would protect us from any of these changes coming back so that we would have to fight these things again. But herein lies the challenge and the danger. If we are not aware of what things are in our Constitution, if we are not aware of what we are protected from, then someone can come and make changes to our government, which may seem good or may seem right, but is actually going against our protections and our liberties that are in this Constitution. Now, this message, this series that we have been doing is not a series about the Constitution. It's not a series about politics and things like that. And we've talked about this an awful lot over the last month. But I have been waiting for the right time, and I've had this message prepared for for months now, and it was just like not the right time. 
God would not allow me to speak the message, and he kept bringing other things. And now, here we are, leading up to Independence Day, as we conclude this series, and how we are to, bottom line, obey God rather than men. Now, we learned in Romans chapter 13 that God is saying that we are supposed to obey those in authority over us, and if we do not do these things, then we will be punished by the law, the earthly law, and by God himself. So how then do we see these examples? And and over the last four weeks, we've been learning about the midwives and Moses' mama, Moses himself, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and also um, Daniel, and how these people stood up against tyranny itself, didn't they? And instead of being punished by God, God blessed them. Why did he do that? Why did God do that? Why would God bless someone who went against, quote, the law of the land? That's going against who God is. Well, no, it's not. Because these brave people stood up against a tyranny. They stood up against a freedom, a liberty that was being infringed upon. They stood up. Why? And here is the Underline everything that we've learned up until today. Underline it all. Add it all up and we get this. Obey God rather than men. Okay? Now, listen. And I don't want anybody coming up and saying to me, Pastor Russ, uh, this is not about, I don't feel like going 35 miles an hour. I want to do 55. I'm going to do what I want to do. You go right ahead. You're going to get you a ticket. Okay? And you deserve it. All right? This is not about, I don't believe, I don't like this president, I'm not going to do what he says. It's not about that. Okay? If you don't, if you don't do these things, then you will be punished. However, if anybody ever comes into authority over us that goes against God, that's when, friends, we react. That's when... Our mouths open. That's when we resist righteously. Okay? And that's what all of these examples in the Bible have shown. Okay? Now, there's a really fine line that we're walking here, and there are some qualifications, important prerequisites that... And there's very few. There's very few things that fit these qualifications that say, okay, now we are to resist this law of the land and obey God rather than men. Okay? And most of the time, it has to do with these unrighteous, evil decrees that rob people of liberties that God has given them. Okay? And in, the, in these instances, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that it was not right for them to bow down and worship another god or a person or a statue, whatever the heck it might be. 
that somebody sets up, you've got to worship this, they knew in their hearts they're not going to do it. And they were willing to pay the price even if God did not deliver them. They said in their hearts and to the king and to everybody else around them, even if we burn, we will not bow. Now, I'm not trying, trying to raise, neither is the Bible, trying to, bring, or to raise a bunch of uh, rebellious people. That is not it. That is not what it's about. The, we're trying to raise people and train people to obey God. Above everything else, obey God. And that's what these examples have shown. In Joshua chapter 2, we learn of another unlikely person who does this very thing. Now, she doesn't even know God, this, this person, this lady. Joshua chapter 2. Rahab, I want to introduce you to this great woman of faith. Now, Hebrews mentions this woman. She's listed this prostitute of all people. This prostitute... This woman of the night is listed in the Bible as one of the Hall of Fame greats. The Hall of Faith greats. How can that be? This, this woman of the night who sells herself, and yet why would she be mentioned among the great people of faith in the Bible? How did she graduate from prostitute status to a great woman that is mentioned in the hall of faith in the word of God. Wow. Well, she did that. So listen to what happens. Let me, let me uh, fill you in on the story as, as to what happens. So Joshua is now in charge of the people of Israel. Moses is no longer there. Joshua sends out some spies to a place, a little town, a little city called Jericho. You may have heard of it. You remember hearing the story about the walls coming down in Jericho? Yeah? And how the people marched around the city one time every day for seven days. And on the last day, they marched around that city seven times. And then they gave a big shout at the command of God. And the walls came tumbling down. And all of the people went in, and they took the city in the name of God. Well, this lady, she lived on the wall to the entry to the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a busy, busy city. It is a sinful city, and it is not a people of God. And so this lady doesn't know anything about God. But I'll tell you what's going on in Jericho. They have heard of all of the great things that God has been doing for these slave people that have been delivered from tyranny in Egypt. Okay? So word is getting around as God displays his power and authority in controlling nature as he brings all of these plagues upon Egypt, forcing the Pharaoh to let his people go from slavery. So all the people around the area and far away are hearing of the things that God has done. So they've heard that this God, they don't know him, but they've heard of him. 
They heard of all the great things that he sent against Pharaoh. They heard about the things that he did at the Red Sea. All right? He, st- he, he put the waters just, just like this, this lane, and there was walls of water in the sea so that his people who were hemmed in on all sides with Egypt, their armies coming against him and all of Pharaoh's big armies coming against him, they, they went across on dry land, the Bible says. And when they got to the other side and all of Pharaoh's armies were where? Right in the middle. God let the waves go and the armies were destroyed by God himself. (laughs) And all of God's people, all they had to do was obey. So, all of Jericho, the city that this lady Rahab, this prostitute, is living in, has, has been hearing about these stories, okay? And the city is scared of these Israelite people. And so, when Joshua sends out spies to go check out the land to see what's going on in there, and to see if they can take the land. (coughs) They go and they hide out in the house of this prostitute lady. All right? Now, the uh, king of that city gets wind that some spies are in the area, and they know somebody saw them coming to the house of Rahab, this prostitute, and so they want to know where they are. Well, this lady... This lady respects God. She doesn't really know him all that well, but she knows that he is the real deal. And so, she takes and she hides these spies from Israel, these Israeli spies, these Hebrew spies, under some... uh, some leaves and some, some, like, brush and things like that. And, and she hides them on the roof of her house. And so the, the, the king's people come and they're looking, the soldiers are looking, where are these guys? I don't know. I don't know. And so she goes against the law of that land to do what is right for God. Now think about it, Okay. So now, she's really doing the same things that the midwives did. She's doing the same thing that Moses' mama did. She's doing the same thing that Daniel, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in resisting the law of the land because she knew that it was right by God to do so. And in so doing, she saves her whole family, and all that are in her house. So what happens is this. The king's soldiers go back. They couldn't find these spies. So she sends the spies back, and she says, this whole city is fearing for their lives because of what your God has done. This whole city is afraid of you guys. They're scared to death. I believe God is going to give you this city. Please, when you come and take the city, remember me. Remember that I hid you. Remember my family. And so they agree. These two spies say, okay, anybody that's in your house, we're going to spare. Anybody that's outside, 
we're not going to be responsible for. So anybody that you love, make sure they're in your house. And so here's a sign. All right? So she leaves a scarlet scarf or rope or something hanging out of this window so that when they come, they know that she's ready and the place is ready for them to take. And so all of the people of God come against, the armies of God come against this city of Jericho. Now remember the story, what happens? They're to walk around the city once every day and on the last day seven times and then to give a mighty shout and the walls are going to come down. Well, that's exactly what happens. And when the walls came crashing down, Rahab and all of her family were rescued because why? Because she resisted the law of the land, and she obeyed God rather than men. Now, let's take this. So she broke the law. She should be punished. She broke the law of the land, but God does what? He saves her and all that are in her household. Now, mind you, she don't know God. She don't know this God that these Hebrew people serve. All she knows is that this God is the real deal and he is the God of gods and he is showing it to the world. And so she does what she knows. She fears God. She respects him. She honors God, even though she doesn't really know how to do that, but she honors God by hiding these spies in her home. And by doing so, she saved all of her family. That is why, friends, she is in the Faith Hall of Fame in God's book. How about that? This prostitute, this lowest, lowest of the low people saves her house and her family and all those that she loves and holds dear because she feared God. And God blessed her and gave her a place among the Israelites. Wow. That was her moment of faith, friends. That was her moment of faith. She could have obeyed the law of the land. What would have happened to her, I ask you, had she not resisted this law of the land? She would have died, and all those that she loved, just like everybody else. But because she feared God and obeyed God rather than men, she saved her family and all those that she loved. Wow. Wow. She didn't perish with the unbelievers of her city. No. She lived. And she's counted among the people of great faith in the Bible. What a beautiful story over and over again. If you're paying attention, you can see how God uses unlikely people in the Bible. Jacob, what a schemer he was. <laughs> what a schemer. And yet God used him greatly in the kingdom of God over and over and over. 
to God, some laws are no laws at all. Now, I'm not, we're not advocating a lawless people. We're not advocating a people that goes against the laws and, and things that are put in place for our own good. But we are advocating obeying God rather than men when it comes to things that go against everything that God is and everything that He stands for. Now, mind you, many of these stories that we're reading about in the Word of God, these great biblical stories of faith, they are not so much this one, but all the other ones in the past, they were before the Ten Commandments ever came out that said, thou shalt not kill. Yeah? Thou shalt not steal. So these people were acting on a respect and an honor of God and a love for God rather than to obey the laws of men. All right? So you might say, well, well, these people were just obeying the Ten Commandments. Well, no, they weren't. Ten Commandments had never even been heard of when those stories happened, when those things happened. Okay? So now Joshua... Joshua knew the Ten Commandments, but this lady, she didn't know the Ten Commandments. She didn't know Moses. She didn't know their God, and yet she fears him. She respects him. She honors him by hiding the spies. She righteously resisted the law of the land is now counted among the great people of faith. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. So let's fast forward, really fast forward, to the New Testament now. To Peter and John, two of the apostles that followed Jesus, Received from his teaching for three and a half years, stayed with him, traveled with him, ate with him, ministered with him. So, what happens is Peter is preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ in chapter 3. And he's speaking to people in this area, and he's taken captive, obviously against his will, by the Sanhedrin, and he's, and he's brought before the Sanhedrin, which are the leaders and teachers of the law of the Jewish people. And the, these leaders, these Sanhedrin, they begin to question Peter and John and say, well, who is this you know, who, who is this person? Who, what gives you the right to be speaking these things? Who do you think you are? Who's given you this authority? Who is your teachers? And so, they're counseling among themselves after Peter gives his response. They counsel among themselves. What are we going to do with these guys? How are we going to get them to, keep, to stop from spreading these lies about this Jesus character? 
that he's the Messiah or he's some great prophet. How are we going to get them? Well, they figure they can't really do much. And so here's what they do. Let's go to verse chapter 4, verse 18. I'm going to start in 16. It says, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading and further, any further among the people, we must warn them to no longer speak to anyone in this name. So that's their decision. That's what they're going to do. We're going to, as a group, we're going to threaten these guys to not speak anymore about this Jesus or to teach in his name. Well, how do you think that went over? It didn't. It didn't. So here's Peter and John themselves going against, here again, the law of the land. And so listen to what they, what they say in response to this decree, if you will. They called them in again in verse 18, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Well, that's going to take care of this problem. We'll get rid of them once and for all. Yeah, right. These guys are the real deal. They know that they could be crucified right here and right now. And yet, they resist because they know that it's right to obey God rather than men. Now listen. Verse 19, But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and we have heard. He says to them, You judge for yourselves whether it is right for us to tell what we've seen that Jesus has done. You figure it out. You find out for yourselves whether it is right for us to obey God or to obey you. You who are supposed to be, listen now, the representatives of God himself. There's some real danger here, friends. There's some real danger here. These people that Peter and John were brought before were highly powerful and influential people. They were the ones that dictated who lives and dies. And we saw what happened to Jesus. And so Peter and John, they say, we, we can't help we can't help but speak and tell about what we have seen and heard. But you, you judge for yourselves whether it is right for us to obey you or to obey God. Wow. Wow. And so, in this act, if you will, of civil disobedience, right? That's kind of what it is, really in this act of civil disobedience. They resisted these religious leaders in an effort to do what? To obey God rather than men. Why is, why is this message so prevalent in the Bible, and why have we not heard it before? 
Why don't we hear this message more and more? Why isn't this message preached in the churches? Because of this, friends. The belief is this. It's not right for Christians to be involved in politics. It's not right for Christians to be rebelling against those in authority over us because we read right in Romans chapter 13, we're to obey those in authority over us. However, however, when those in authority over us lead us to do something against the God of the universe, friends, then and only then do we resist. Then is the importance. That is strength, and God blesses it over and over and over and over. For a month now, we've seen time after time, after instance, after example, that God blesses those who stand up for him. I wonder if there's anybody here that is willing to stand up for their God. I wonder if there's anybody here who is feeling this righteous anger. Now, I'm not saying go against this president. I'm not saying go against this authority. You know this by now. You understand this. But what I'm saying, we as believers must obey a higher, the highest authority in all of creation, in all of the universe. Amen? So listen. A Christian pastor in China. The law of the land says no Christianity. None. Other countries, same thing. No Christianity here. If you are caught being a Christian, you will be killed, you will be put in prison, you will be tortured, and all of those that are with you. So there's some real danger there. So, the law of the land, no Christianity. So, a Christian pastor in China, is it wrong for him to be bringing in Bibles to save people. Well, it's going against the law of the land. He's going to get himself killed. It's, it's against the law. Of course. Well, you judge for yourselves whether it is right for him to obey God rather than men. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? I wonder... How, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Can we, as believers, really call ourselves Christians? And this is um, some of the things that I've been teaching here. I'm quoting from JC and um, Chris Ann Hall that were here a few months ago. And I have a video that will knock your socks off from them with some of these teachings on there. If you're interested in that, I can try to connect you with that, okay? Now, let, listen, 
J.C. asks this question, can we accurately say of ourselves that we love God, that we are truly Christians, if we don't stand up against tyrannical government, tyrannical decrees and the like? Can we accurately say say of ourselves that we love God and that we're truly Christians if we go on submitting to things that we know are unjust? Can we accurately say of ourselves that we love God and are called Christians if we go on submitting to things that we know are unrighteous? If we sit idly by when others are suffering under this sort of rule, can we rightly be said to love our neighbor as ourselves if we continue to do nothing when we know that there are people being oppressed? Wow, if that doesn't put your feet to the flame, friends, I don't know what will. Judge for yourselves. Are you willing to stand up against unrighteous acts? Are you willing to stand up for those who have no voice, who have no power? Are you willing to stand up for what is right in the face of punishment because you know that you will answer to a higher power. Abraham Lincoln resisted the law of the land. And it cost him his life. Didn't it? He did a very difficult thing. The Civil War times. Brother against brother, family against family. North against the south. Wow. He did a difficult thing, but he knew that he would answer to God. So he went through with it. Today we celebrate... We cherish our liberties. We cherish our freedoms that we now have by the grace of God and with many thanks and honor and respect to those who gave their lives for us so that we can have these liberties. Friends, get to know what liberties you have. Get to know what is said in the formation of our government. Because God forbid there comes a time when they're trying to be stripped from us. Friends, that time is already upon us. That time is already here. These things are already happening, and we, in many cases, don't even hear about it. All right? What rights have been fought for in the past are written down so that for the posterity of nations or, uh, or generations to come so that it doesn't have to be fought over and over again. It's solidified. We need to protect those things. We need to protect. Why is that important for us to protect the liberties that we have? Because of this right here. Because of this right here. Because if we don't protect those liberties, then our liberty to do this, to follow this, to worship the God whose words are in here could be stripped away from us. 
That's why it's important. That's why it's important to hear these teachings. But we don't hear these things in church because it's not even politically correct. I don't get, my, I don't get it. It's not politically correct in the church. Do you see the danger in that, friends? If we're not speaking this message, who will? If the Christians and believers are not involved in the politics of our nation, in the governing of the people of our nation, who's left? The unbelievers. Where is that going to take us? This is not a message to recruit people to get into politics. This is a message to obey God. This is a message to obey God rather than men. Protect your liberties. Thank you, God. Would you stand with me today? Let's pray. Let's pray that God would protect our nation, that God would unify our nation, that we would always stand on the side of God. Because it is God himself that has blessed this nation because of our acknowledgement of him. Amen? The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We need to be vocal about what is right. That doesn't mean we're pointing our finger at those who are saying something different. That's not it. We're making sure that we ourselves are doing what is right. We're making sure that our responses and what comes out of our mouths is justified, is righteous, and representing accurately God's word. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We're so thankful, Lord. For all that you have done for this nation. We're so thankful for your protection, for your blessing, for your favor upon this nation. And Lord, how can we even finish this prayer without asking for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord Jesus? Our friend, our ally, and our brothers and sisters. Father, we pray for your blessing upon them as well, for your protection, O God. We pray that they would find and recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God. Father, we pray that within ourselves you would rise up this righteous response that we would always stand for what is right, that we would always stand on your side, God. And help us to be strong if the time ever comes when we're called upon to stand up. Help us, Lord Jesus. We thank you today 
as we celebrate the 4th of July in a few days. Thank you for the liberties that we enjoy in this country. We give you that glory, you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.